I had a great time in Plattsville last week. I want to thank you, church, for uh, releasing me to go. Uh, it was great to see Pastor Tim. Tim was our uh, former associate pastor. He's now the lead pastor out at Plattsville. And just to be able to see him in his element there, it was truly a blessing. Um, it was great to see him and, uh, and, and Steph and the kids as well. Um, they're doing great. And uh, it was really an honor to be there to, to speak and share my testimony um, uh, and I think it was very timely that, that the Lord had me share my testimony there um, because there's um, a lot of people that, you know, go through battle with addictions and so on. And um, just after sharing my testimony, um, some of us from Trinity were there as well. Uh, it was cool to see some Trinity folks there. And uh, actually, uh, that was the first time, uh, you know, Doris, that you've ever heard my testimony like that. And so... Uh, if you've never heard my testimony, I want to encourage you. You can go on Plattsville's uh, website there. It's on, the, uh, on their podcast. Um, but uh, it was really powerful to be able to share that and just hear um, parents come up, come up to me afterwards, you know, mothers, fathers, just asking me to pray for their kids. Um, it's, it's such a prevalent issue. And so uh, just to be able to give a message of hope that God is able to deliver his people, that, it, that it's possible, right? And so uh, it was an honor to be able to do that. So again, I just want to thank you for releasing me to do that. Um, it was great to be there. So we are um, about halfway through our sermon series on spiritual warfare. Uh, so far we've talked about, you know, we looked at the passage in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. And so far we talked about the different pieces of armor that Paul outlines in that passage We looked at the belt of truth. We looked at the breastplate of righteousness. Last week, Wayne Broadland spoke to you on the shield of faith. And uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, the the shoes fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. We're going to talk about the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Uh, We're going to be getting to those as well. But today we are going to push the pause button on the spiritual warfare series, and I wanted to address the men this morning. I want to address the men this morning. Now, although I'm pausing on the spiritual warfare series, the topic of spiritual warfare is definitely a part of my talk this morning because we are in a battle. We are facing a battle. And it's not just the men, it's the women, it's people of all ages. We all face a spiritual battle. And the most important spiritual battle that we all face, you know, as men, is the battle for our identities, our identity. You know, and it's not just about, it's not just the men, it's the women too, but it's the battle for our identity. Satan's main strategy is to attack our identity. And there's a reason for that. Why does he do that? Why does he attack our sense of identity? The reason is because if he can get us confused about our identity, if he can get us discouraged about our identities, who we are, then it affects the way we live out our lives. It affects the way we view situations, circumstances, people. It affects the way we view God. I mean, think about the person that's been told all their lives, you're good for nothing. You know, you don't, you, you, you'll never amount to anything. Just think of a person. Perhaps you know somebody that's been told that their whole life. You're not good enough. You're not worthwhile. You're you're never going to amount to anything. Look at you. You're a failure. Perhaps 
you have been told those very same things. Think about that person. That is an attack on their identity and it affects their life. It affects everything about their lives, how they view themselves, how they view others, how they view God. It affects their relationship with God. You know, I've heard so many times people say to me, as a pastor, they come to me and they say, you know, I, I, just, I just can't think that God could ever love me. You know, it's hard for me to pray because why would God listen to me? I'm such a failure. I do all these things. I'm awful. I'm this and that. And it breaks my heart to hear that. And so I want to hit that right on the head this morning. And today, on Father's Day, I want to address the men specifically. And the message that I have for this morning is man of God. A man after God's heart. And again, although I'm addressing the men, the principles from today's talk will apply to women as well. In fact, it applies to people of all ages. Um, I'm sure many of us have heard of those who face an identity crisis, right? Midlife crisis, whatever it might be. At some point, you will face in this life some form of identity crisis. Where and it starts with the question, who am I? Who am I and why am I here? We begin to ask those questions about ourselves, certain specific, certain situations in our lives. You know, they force us to ask that question. We look, we look inward and we say, who am I? Who am I? Why am I here? Let me tell you something. There are many voices in this world that will try to answer that for you. Many voices in this world will try to answer that for you. The devil will try to answer that question for you. And the devil uses tactics such as confusion, doubt, discouragement, rejection, hatred, unworthiness, separation, not feeling like you belong. All these things, they're fiery darts of the enemy. Wayne spoke about this last week. They're like fiery darts. And when they stick into us, when they stick into our hearts and into our minds, our identity is affected. And a wounded identity causes all sorts of trouble in our lives in how we relate to others, and how we relate to God. You know, it's funny. Satan actually attempted to confuse Jesus' identity. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that what an audacious thing to do? He actually tried to confuse Jesus' identity as the Son of God. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 3 says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting... Forty days and forty nights, he was hungry, and the tempter, that is the devil, came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God. He tried to cause Jesus to doubt his identity as the Son of God. Jesus knew he was the Son of God. Ever since he was young, from a very young age, maybe you know the story when Mary and Joseph, at age, when, when Jesus was 12 years of age, they take Jesus to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And uh, I mean, this is a, a yearly trek that many people go on to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and people from all across the region would come, thousands of people I'm sure. And uh, they go to celebrate Passover. And then Mary and Joseph, they're on their way back home. And they realize, oh, Jesus isn't there. 
Parents, I'm sure you can understand what that's like, right? When you're in a crowd and there's like thousands of people around you and you look around and where's my kid? Where, where, where do they go? I mean, the anxiety that that causes, right? Jesus, he was missing for three days. I mean, that, oh, the panic that that would have caused Mary and Joseph. And so they've turned back. They go back to um, Jerusalem and sure enough, they find Jesus and he's hanging out with the teachers of the law and the rabbis, and he's talking about, you know, the things of God, and I mean, just astounding. And, and Mary goes up to Jesus and is like, what have you done? Why have you treated us this way? I mean, your father and I have been so distressed looking for you, and Jesus, you know how he answers them? He's like, why, why were you looking for me? That's how Jesus answered. Why, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Jesus knew exactly who he was, that God was his father, that he was the son of God. He knew that from a young age, and yet by age 30, the devil tried to attack that very sense of identity by using the fiery arrow of doubt and confusion. If you are the son of God. Now, if the devil can successfully attack your sense of identity and cause confusion, what happens is our guard comes down the armor comes off and we're open to the fiery darts of the enemy to come and to pierce our identity and damage our identity, which in turn will affect our lives. And it can start at a young age. I mean, for me, it started at a very young age. I'm Korean. When I went to school, though, I was Canadian. I I spoke in English. I thought in English. And, I mean, I was Canadian. When I came home, I was Korean. I spoke in Korean, thought in Korean. My parents speak Korean, Korean culture. And so I was in two different cultures. You know, outside the house, I was Canadian, but not fully Canadian. Inside the house, I'm Korean, but not fully Korean. And so let me tell you, that was a very confusing time for me. What am I? Who am I? Am I Korean? Am I Canadian? Am I Canadian Korean? Or am I Korean Canadian? You know, (laughs) some sort of hybrid. I remember, actually, I had a conversation with a a friend of mine. He also was a Korean, only he was born in Korea and came to Canada. And I was like, I'm Canadian-Korean. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're Korean first, then Canadian. I'm like, no, I'm Canadian-Korean. And, uh, I mean, we had this battle. I'm like, that that further confused me, man, right? But you know what I was really searching for? I was searching for belonging. I was searching for belonging a sense of belonging. And as a young person, as a child, as a, as a teen, that is a big part of our identity. Where do we belong? What group am I a part of? That actually constitutes a big part of our identity. And especially as a young person, if you've ever been to high school, I'm sure you could relate with me in, in some way, right? Who am I is very much tied to our sense of belonging. And that was confusing for me. Then after high school, I was off to university. And that was, I mean, that further did a number to my sense of identity. I was at the University of Waterloo in the pre-optometry program. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. You know what I'm saying? That's James Park, student at the University of Waterloo, pre-optometry I drove a nice car. It was a Hyundai Tiburon. 
sports car, that actually made up a part of my identity. Um, I, I drive a nice car. I had nice shoes. They were shiny, very nice shoes. I had a, somewhat of a sense of style for shoes. I love shoes. And so, you know, as trivial as that may sound, okay, it made up, those were pillars for my identity of who I am as a person. This is, oh, I guess I'll share this with you. Oh, it's kind of embarrassing. God, do I have to share this? Okay, fine. Um, how many of you know uh, the Toronto Sun newspaper? There's a sunshine girl. There's a sunshine boy. <laughs> I shouldn't have shared that, man. I just should have kept my mouth shut. Yes, yes, at age 20, I was in the Toronto Sun as the sunshine boy, okay? No, no, I shouldn't have shared that. But you know what? At the time, I was, that really, really gave me my sense of identity. I was like, whoa, right? And on the, the, there's a write-up, you know, short write-up about that, the person. And it said, James Park, age 20, is a student at the University of Waterloo in the optometry program, pre-optometry program. He has his eye on the prize. And I was like, yeah, right, I do. You know, that, that just made my sense of identity, right? That was my primary sense of identity. Well, you know what? It didn't last because I ended up no longer being in pre-optometry. And I was forced to withdraw from school. And that devastated my sense of identity. When I was no longer in pre-optometry, well, then who am I? My car, I had it taken away. I was a bad driver. Oh, man, very bad. Had my license suspended, had the car taken away. Without that car, who am I? And my shoes, well, they got dirty. And I couldn't afford a new pair, okay? So, again, as trivial as that may sound, it rocked my sense of identity. It really did. Who am I? Why am I here? It, it messed me up. And it was because I got my primary sense of identity from all those things. What I didn't realize was that God was stripping away the things that I created myself to be only to show me who he made me to be. That's what God was doing, right? That's my ultimate identity. Makes sense, doesn't it? God created us. He knows us. He formed us in our mother's womb. He knows the very number of hairs that are on our head. He created us. If we're going to get any sense of our identity from somewhere, it's got to come from God. Don't you think? Right? How about you? What gives you your sense of identity? Your sense of who you are, your value, your worth, where does that come from? Does it come from your job? Does it come from your title? Does it come from the number of letters after your name? Does it come from the things you own, the things that you do? how you look, how you present yourself, ask yourself that question. Now, you might ask, well, how do I know? I, I don't know. I don't know where I get my sense of identity from. How do I know? Well, I'll ask you a question back to, to, to just ponder this. What, how much time 
Think about how much time you spend pursuing the things that you do. Time is our most precious commodity. It's not like money. You can't store it. You can't invest it and re- get a, a, a greater return of time. Okay? Time is spent. You have a finite number of time. That's all you have. How much of that do you spend on pursuing the things that you do? What do you pursue the most? And of all the things that you pursue, is your pursuit of God equal to the things that you pursue in life? Or is there a great imbalance? Ask yourself that question because that will give you an idea, give you a sense of what makes up your identity. Right? Especially your primary identity. Of course, there are things that make up a part of our identity. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. I'm a lover of sushi. Okay? <laughs> These are a part of who I am. Right? But those are secondary. Right? My primary sense of identity doesn't come from things. It doesn't come from what I do. It comes from God. Well, let me share you a story in the scriptures about identity. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And it's the story of David. It's a long passage. I'll just uh, describe what's happening here and then we'll read starting in verse uh, 11 there. But uh, in 1 Samuel 16, Samuel, he's a prophet. Okay? And he's given this task. He's going to go to Jesse's house. And Jesse's got seven sons, eight sons. And one of them is going to become the next king of Israel. And so Samuel comes to Jesse's house. Could you imagine Jesse? When Samuel's like, hey, guess what? One of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. What? Could you imagine Jesse's, whoa, really? That is amazing. I'm going to be a father to a king. And so he's thinking about his sons. He's like, which one is it? Hmm, well, it's got to be the best one. Eliab, come on down. And, and, and the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, hey, listen, don't look at appearances. Don't look at these secondary things. God doesn't look at the things the way man does. Man looks at outer, outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Right? And so then they're like, okay, if it's not Eliab, maybe it's Abinadab. Let's bring Abinadab. He's, he's top-notch. He, 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 he's a good kingly type. Let's bring Abinadab. Abinadab comes and it's like, God says, no, it's not that one. Really? It's not my number two? All right, number three. Nope. Number four. Nope. Five, six, seven. Nope. Until finally Samuel's like, "Uh, I think I got the right house here. Do you have any other sons? And Jesse's like, oh, well, there's always the youngest and he's out with the sheep. Isn't that interesting? This is what it says in verse 11. Samuel says, are, your, are all your sons here? And Jesse says, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. What does that word mean? Does anyone know what ruddy means? Oh, he's an outdoorsy type. 
Okay. Well, he was, he was suntanned, okay? <laughs> Not sunburned. I got sunburned this weekend. Oh, oh man, that was brutal. Uh, maybe he is suntanned <laughs> or sunburned. He's red. Um, where am I here? Um, and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Now, if you notice when you look at this passage, Jesse doesn't mention the name David. He says, oh, but there's the youngest. He looks at that attribute, that part of his identity. Oh, he's the little guy. He's got sunburn, man. And he's out there with the sheep. Yet God's the one that says, this is David. God gives him his identity. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. God gave David his identity. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And when he had removed him, when God removed Saul as king, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. God gave David his identity. He didn't say, oh, this guy, he's just the youngest shepherd boy. He's like, no, this is a man of God. And he's a man after my heart, and he will do all my will. Listen, guys, I want to be known as a man of God. I want to be known as a man whose aim in life is to do God's will. I want that to be my primary source of identity. Because, guys, listen, when that becomes our primary source of identity, I am a man of God. When that is our primary source of identity, you know what happens? A supernatural strength comes upon us. A supernatural strength comes upon us when we stand firm, primarily in that identity. I am a man of God. You know what it does? It breaks down fear. It breaks down the fear of man. It breaks down the fear of perception. It breaks down the fear of failure. It removes discouragement and it increases a supernatural courage. It removes confusion and it increases a supernatural hope. It removes rejection and it increases a knowing of approval. I am accepted in Christ Jesus. Our identity as a man of God, when we stand firm in that identity, Here's my broken English for you. Ain't no fiery dart going to hit me. You know what I'm saying? When we stand firm in that identity, there's no power of hell. There is no scheme of man that can ever pluck me from God's hand. We can stand firm, men, in our identity. I am a man of God bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We can stand in that. When my identity is secure in Christ, what remains is a pure faith in God, a faith that pleases God, a faith that moves mountains, a faith that can say this, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
A faith that can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A faith that could look at our circumstances and say, I can be a conqueror in Christ Jesus because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Nothing is impossible with God. I will overcome because he is with me. Men, our identity, listen, our identity comes from God. Acts chapter 17, 28. In him, we live and move and have our being. In him, we live and move and have our being. Our identity is found in God. We need to stand firm in our identity as sons of God. But man, does the battle ever rage on. The battle rages on against our identity. The world has all sorts of ways to confuse men today about our sense of identity as men of God. There's so many ways, so many different pressures and different, different pressure coming from different sides and angles to thwart our sense of identity as being men of God. But we need to fight, guys. We need to fight. We need to do battle. and We can't do it alone. We need the strength that comes from God. We need the strength that comes from one another as we stand together like a band of brothers together. And so how do we combat these lies? How do we combat the ways in which the, the devil tries to, you know, thwart our identities, our sense of identity? How do we do that? How, we, how do we come against those fiery darts of the enemy to try to bring confusion, discouragement, and rejection, and so on? That's where I go back to our last week's sermon. We activate the shield of faith. I mean, let me tell you something. I was listening to Wayne's sermon uh, just this past week, if you have not, if you weren't here to hear that sermon, I want to encourage you. It's on our podcast. I think it's one of the best sermons I've heard on the topic of the shield of faith. It was so powerful, very powerful, very practical. I mean, mind-blowing, actually, because Wayne was talking about how, you know, we have a battle. We face battles that we don't even know, right? Even in the natural realm, every time we go out into sunlight, we face a battle, Right? I mean, our skin cells are battling the UV rays that can cause harm. When we have a virus, our, 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 the cells in our body fight against the foreign cells. There's a battle that we, we don't see it, but we know it's happening. And just like it is in the natural realm, listen, in the spirit realm, we face battles. Though we may not see it, we experience it. And listen, men, we experience a tremendous battle, and it's getting harder that's why we need each other. We need to stand together as men to activate the shield of faith. And I love how Wayne put it. The shield of faith is the piece of honor we, armor that we actually need to pick up. We need to activate it. Right? We need to pick it up. We need to position it. We need to activate it. And so um, just in closing, I want to talk about three ways we activate the shield of faith. Okay? Number one, we activate the shield of faith by declaring the word of God over our lives and our situations, and our families. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's one thing to read it. We need to read it. It's one thing to know it. We need to know it. It's a whole other thing to begin to read it and know it so that we may declare it. Because when we read Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know what that means? 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can declare that when we face the situations we face and it seems like the battle's raging on all around us. Listen, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can overcome this in Jesus' name. We can declare that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It means exactly what it says it means. We can declare that over our lives, over our families, over our circumstances, our situations, our temptations, all those things. We could declare the word of God. You know, Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, what did he do? He combated the lies of the enemy with the word of God by declaring it, by declaring the word of God. And so, guys, we need to have the word in our hearts in our minds, so that we may be able to declare the word over our lives. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. You know, one of the things that the Lord has been doing in my life and reminding me of the importance of is actually scripture memorization. To memorize scripture, to memorize his word, you know, so that it's, it's in my mind. Because the devil attacks our minds with all sorts of darts, with all sorts of doubts and discouragements and fears. We need to have the Word of God deeply lodged in our souls, guys, to be able to combat the attacks of the enemy and stand firm in God. So the number one way we activate the shield of faith in our lives is by declaring the Word of God over our lives. Number two, We activate the shield of faith by learning to discern God's voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. That means as followers of Jesus, we can, we do receive guidance from God. And we need to listen for God's direction in our lives. That way we can also listen for how he sees us. God, how do you see me? And to be able to discern how he sees us answers us you know this is a big part of who we are at trinity we're a house of prayer we take prayer seriously at at, at trinity church we pray to god we hear from god okay we want to be balanced in our prayer life pray to god hear from god it's crucial last night we were talking or this past weekend the men we were on a retreat um in flesherton we were at a, uh, a nice cottage uh, it was great to be away. There was about there was twelve of us there, I believe, um, and we had a great time. And we were sharing stories of what God has done in our lives. And there was a common theme that was being shared amongst the men of how God has led us, or directed us, or guided us in such precise ways when we pray to Him, when we say, "God, we need Your help in this area," and God answers in a precise way at the right time, at the right place, at the right moment. And it's like there's no other way. It could have been coincidence. It was God. And so we we were listening to those common themes. 
of how God directs us and guides us. And oftentimes the way the, the voice of the Lord comes is through a thought. In our imagination, we'll be, you know, um, looking for something. God, I, I, I lost this something. Help me to find it. And the thought just comes, this is where it is. And you go and there it is. It's like, wow, right? God speaks to us. He directs us. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And so I want to encourage you, men, and of course not just the men, I want to encourage all of us here to come out to a Hearing God seminar. We'll be, we'll be launching it in the fall again. How many of you have gone through a Hearing God seminar here at church? Right? It's just a great, it's, it's a six-week course um, designed to help us to discern the way God communicates with us. And so I want to encourage you to come out to a Hearing God seminar because that's one of the ways we activate the shield of faith in our lives, to listen to what God has to say. And when we hear from God, man, does our faith ever rise. You know? And so number three, lastly, we activate the shield of faith through fellowship. When we come together and we watch each other's backs, we are in this battle together, guys. And remember last week in Wayne's talk about the, the shield of faith and how when the shields come together, there's the tortoise position, I believe it was called, right? And uh, here's a picture of that. I mean, that's pretty neat to, to, to see that and, and just to be able to see that, what it's like when, when the soldiers come together and they huddle like that. There's nothing that's going to come. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're secure in there, right? We need each other, men. We need each other. We need to come together. We need to sharpen one another. Next slide. This is a picture of us at um, the retreat. Good things happen when men come together. That's us eating fruit. Okay? Good things happen. Right? That's, we're eating fruit, guys. I mean, that's amazing. Good thing <laughs> when we fellowship together. We need each other. Otherwise, you'll be stuck alone like this poor guy here. I told you I was going to do it. That's Andrew. That's an outhouse. Relying on your own strength is like being in an outhouse dealing with your own poop. <laughs> All right, next slide, next slide. Okay. We didn't actually have to use that, thank goodness, but... Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, let us consider how to stir up one another. How to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need each other, guys. It's getting crazier and crazier out there. The world's getting dark. And they need the men of God to shine as lights. Not just the men, the women as well. Of course, I, I'm addressing everyone here, but in specific, specifically the men. The world needs men of God to light, to shine the light in the darkness. Because Jesus is coming soon and it's getting dark. But when we come together as men of God, strengthened in our identity, 
band together in unity to combat every fiery arrow of the enemy, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with us. And so, men, let's stand together as iron sharpens iron. Come together. Activate that shield of faith together. I want to share this verse with you. I have this verse um, on my wall in the office, and I read it almost every day. I try to read it every day, but I, I, I read it almost every day. It's not in my, it's not on the PowerPoint, but let me just read it to you. And this is the prayer of my heart, and it's the prayer for all of you as well. This is what the Lord says. Jeremiah 9, verses 23 to 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But the one who boasts, let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I, de- I delight, declares the Lord. And so men, I'm going to ask you to stand. All the men, if you could just stand in this place. And I'm going to ask some of the guys who were at the uh, retreat last, this past weekend to come up. And I'm just going to ask you to pray over all the men here. And so, guys, if you can come up, you don't all have to come who are, in the, who are at the retreat. Uh, we talked about this, that we would do this. If you can make your way up here, um, and we're just going to spend a moment to pray uh, over the guys um, this morning. And so let's pray. Stretch your hands out towards these guys here today. I just want to say it was an experience that we all shared on the weekend. And I just get a sense that there are people here today, men here today, who are the eldest or the oldest in their families, that in their household. I, I just get a sense that you are to step into your role as a patriarch of your family that you would lead your family like Moses led his family, like Jacob led his family, like Abraham led his family. These are the, these are the things that we need to step into as men. But I bless you men for all that you are as fathers, also taking on the role as priest of your household, that you would become strong in your faith that you would be able to uh, weather every storm because you have Jesus in your life and you rely on the strength of God and we don't rely on our own strength. And I bless you in the name of Jesus that you would step into your roles as fathers, patriarchs, husbands, teachers, leaders of your businesses and your neighborhoods, in all that you do, in Jesus' name. Lord God, help us to be faithful in declaring 
who you are. Help us to be faithful in declaring that in our own families. Help us to be faithful in declaring it um, as a man who's old. Er, help me to um, be able to teach those who are young. But Father, help me to learn from the young. Help me to be faithful. Uh, and Father, I pray for each man here uh, that we would know our identity in Jesus. Um, Lord God, I declare today that Jesus is Lord. And I just thank you that um, in this place we fellowship together. And I pray that as we move forward, um, that you would help us to pick up the shield of faith and to boldly go in our workplaces, in our families, and to declare what you've done for us. And Father, I just give you praise for each man standing, for each family represented. I just give you praise, and I pray that more and more and more you would reveal yourselves in our fam- yourself in our families. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you for... I thank you for who you are, for the, the gentleness and the love you have for each of us. I thank you for working in our hearts to continue to woo us and call us closer to you. I pray that the, um, for the heart of each man here, that um, as you continue to draw and woo them closer, Lord, that they would be obedient to you, that they would be responsive to you, and just... Uh, to step closer and closer to you. And as they do that, Lord, you would continue to fill them and give them strength and that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and, uh, and strengthen them, Lord. In Jesus' name. And God, we just would like to also uh, pray for the men in this church and just... Help us to learn how to disciple one another and come around one another with love and Lord, just hold each other accountable. And Lord, we also pray that as new families start to come into this church that we are ready to disciple those men as well. Lord, we just thank you for the weekend that the guys up here had and and just ask that you continue to bless us and just uh, help this group of men to to grow and to grow in you and to learn what you want of us and just to learn our identity in you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the message. I thank you for the message today from James. I thank you the way that you spoke to us today through his message. And I pray that it would not just be a sermon that we heard, that would be forgotten, that you would penetrate our hearts and our minds with the message that you delivered today. I pray, God, that you would help us to identify, help us to recognize our true identity and to be able to discern the difference discern the difference between 
our own identity that we have created, the lies that we have received about ourselves, and that we would be able to identify and recognize who we are in Jesus. Help us to seek that identity, to discover that identity, to know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Father, would you give us a hunger and a thirst to know your word, to seek your word, to read the word, to memorize the word, so that we can declare it as James has um, called us to do today. Father, give us a hunger for your word. Give us the time. Help us to set aside the time to know you, to know who we are in you, I pray, God, that you would just move in the hearts and the minds of each man here today and give them a hunger and a thirst for you and to help us to live it out each day. Jesus. And Father, I bless the men in this congregation to know you, to have a deep relationship with you, that they would find it easy to hear your voice and especially to hear the the words of encouragement that you have for them. And, and Lord, for the young men that are in this, in this congregation, I thank you for all the ways that they are ahead of the generation before them. Lord, there's so many things that these young fellows, the, the young fellows understand that, that the generation before them never even imagined. And so, Father, I just bless them as they, as they develop an even closer relationship with you, that they can hear your voice in the day and in the night, that, they, that, they, that you will give them wisdom, that they will look to you and you will give them your supernatural wisdom as they negotiate all of the interesting things that they're going to have to go through in the, in the days and years ahead, Lord. May they be a group, uh, uh, may they be men of renown, the Old Testament has all these stories about these young fellows, these soldiers of, of David and others that were men of renown. And I just speak that blessing over, especially the young men here, that they will be men of renown, that they will know you, they will know what you're calling them to, that they'll be able to step into it, and that they will know their identity in you, that they will be protected from the enemy's darts. We pray in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you so much that, uh, God, thank you so much that you reveal yourself as father and as, and as a son. And, and um, Lord Jesus, when you were here on earth, you looked to your heavenly father, your loving father. And I thank you so much that we can follow your example, that we can follow our heavenly father just as you followed him. And I pray that for all the men in this congregation that we would know that we have a heavenly father that loves us and who is always with us. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. And I pray, Father, that we can enjoy you, Father, just as Jesus enjoys you. We bless you. Happy Father's Day. And so, Lord, we just thank you once again. We ask for your anointing to fall upon 
us this morning, God, that we might band together as a strong unit, as, as men of God in this place. And, and Father, we, help, we ask that you would continue to lead us. Um, we know revival is happening in our midst, and we thank you for all the wonderful things that you are doing. And the men of God have a role to play in that. And so, Father, we ask for your discernment, your wisdom, your anointing, and everything that it takes for us to continue to to walk in the ways of the Lord. So we love you, God. We're here for you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, everyone. Have a wonderful Father's Day.